When you look into Discover Student Loans, what you see might surprise you. We can help cover your college costs, don't charge you fees, and give you cash rewards for good grades. Ready to apply? Visit discoverstudentloans.com. Limitations apply. Searching for just the right job? Whether you're looking for full-time, part-time, or seasonal work, you can get started today. Amazon Jobs offer the whole package with great pay and flexible shifts that allow you to choose when and how much you work. Find a warehouse close to home and discover the role that works for you. To get your application started for an hourly job, go to amazon.com slash apply. That's amazon.com slash apply. Amazon is proud to be an equal opportunity employer. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. The X-Zone Radio Show with Rob McConnell is largely an opinion talk show. All opinions, comments, or statements of fact expressed by Rob McConnell's guests are strictly their own and are not to be construed as those of the Exxon Radio Show or endorsed in any manner by Rob McConnell, Relmar McConnell Media Company, the Exxon Broadcast Network, its affiliated networks, stations, employees, or advertisers. All-Hit Radio! Welcome to the X-Zone, a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. Now, here's your host, Rob McConnell. Welcome back to the Exxon, everyone. I am Rob McConnell. We're coming to you from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, on iHeartRadio, the Talkstar Radio Network, Exxon Broadcast Network, Mutual Broadcast Network, and across Europe on Euro Radio TV and Radio X. If you'd like to send me an email, exxon at exxonradiotv.com, on all social media sites, Exxon Radio TV. And if you'd like to uh, find out all about the great programming we have available for you, 724-365 on the Exxon Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net. My guest this hour, Exxon Nation, is Dean Radin. And uh, Dean has been Chief Scientist at the Institute of Noetic Sciences since 2001 and Associated Distinguished Professor of Integral and Transpersonal Psychology at the California Institute of Integral Studies since 2016. 
his original career track as a concert violinist, moved into science after earning a BSEE degree in electrical engineering, magna cum laude, with honors in physics from the University of Massachusetts in Amherst, and then an MS in electrical engineering and a PhD in psychology from the University of Illinois. Joining me now is Dr. Dean Radin. And uh, Dean, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Looking forward to spending an hour with you, sir. It's great to be on your show. Dean, tell us about the Noetic Institute. Well, our institute was started by Edgar Mitchell, Mm -hmm. the Apollo 14 astronaut, who was the sixth man to step on the moon. Uh, Edgar was a Navy pilot, a test pilot, an astronaut, of course, had a doctorate from MIT in uh, aeronautics. And uh, you can imagine that he had to completely rely on technology and science in order to get to the moon and come back safely. Exactly. He was also one of the primary uh, mission commanders during Apollo 13, which, as you may remember, had a, had a problem on the way to the moon. Yeah. And it wasn't entirely sure if it'd be able to get back. So Edgar was an important part of the space program. He died uh, about a year ago. A great loss to the scientific community. Yes. And so Edgar's mission was to explore outer space. And on the way back to the Earth, he had a few moments uh, where he could do nothing other than look outside the window. And the way he describes it is that uh, the spacecraft was rotating slowly so it wouldn't get too hot on one side. And so he would see through his window a picture of the Earth and then the deep space and then the moon and kind of around and around. And while looking at this image, very few people in history have ever seen the Earth the size of a marble. He was looking at it and and marveling in the fact that the Earth from space Mm -hmm. is a bright blue uh, ball. And there's nothing else like that that's visible nearby. Uh, In space, space itself is extremely dark. The stars are very bright. But the only thing that had color in it was the Earth. And in thinking about that, he realized that there are no borders on Earth. You can't see conflict. You can't see borders. You can't see nations from space. And that led to the idea that all of humanity, all of our history, all of our conflicts, our successes, took place on this tiny little ball in the middle of space. And from space, you can see that the atmosphere around the planet is very thin. It's a, it's a thin and looks fragile from space. And this is everything we've ever known. That led to what he later described as a mystical experience, where he felt a kind of unity with everything on the Earth, all life on Earth, and then it spread out to all life everywhere in the universe. And this wasn't just an idea. It was a palpable feeling that he had. Dean, we've got to take our first break. Please stand by. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. And I had the pleasure of interviewing uh, Dr. Edgar Mitchell a couple of times. A great man. Exonation, Dr. Dean Radin is our special guest. www.deanradin.com And that's www.deanradin.com Or the Noetic Institute, noetic.org. We'll be back on the other side of this break. Don't go away. 
This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the X-Zone Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the X-Zone Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. President of a new cancer foundation focusing on evidence-based physical, mental, and spiritual interventions, including natural cancer cures, prayer, meditation, affirmations, nutrition, and other related holistic cancer prevention and cure modalities. These are used in cancer education, research, and financing care. I ask for your help to continue this important work by donating at www.holisticcancerfoundation.com. Hello, I'm Pete Marsh. With my daughter Justina, we will be presenting the new radio show, Too Good to Be True. If something seems too good to be true, it usually is. But with the help of Justina's amazing gifts, we're going to gain insight into questions that don't yet have complete answers. Have you wondered who built Stonehenge and for what reason? Why are crop circles found in the same region as Stonehenge and elsewhere? Are crop circles a hoax or are they created with technologies that we have little knowledge of? Who built the pyramids in Egypt and also in other countries? How and why were they built? Was the Titanic switched with the Britannic as part of a gigantic insurance fraud or for more insidious reasons? What caused the Tunguska event when trees were flattened over an 800 square mile area in Siberia? Will the new insights be too good to be true? Well, that will depend on what you are prepared to believe. Please join us as we start on this journey together. For more information on Too Good to Be True, visit www.xzbn.net. Little children aren't the only ones afraid of the dark. Millions of soldiers return from war zones with PTSD, anger, frustration, fear, and loneliness, much of which surfaces during the darkness of the night. You have the chance to change the lives of these American heroes. Songs and Stories for Soldiers.us provides free MP3 players for these men and women. With a list of 3 million songs in 16 different styles, 100,000 audiobooks, and 30,000 old-time radio programs, 
every veteran can find something to soothe and comfort them at no cost. All our players contain an eight-hour audio program designed to help veterans fall asleep. With 1,500-plus vets now participating, it's our goal to deliver 10,000 audio players this year. Go to our website at songsandstoriesforsoldiers.us. Help us help a veteran make it through the night. everyone, Dr. Dean Radin is our special guest, and uh, here's three uh, very important websites, www.deanradin.com, noetic.org, and supernormalbook.com. Um, how did you get involved with the, noetic, uh, with the Institute of Noetic Sciences, sir? Well, to finish my, my story about what noetic is about, right. what the Institute is about, in essence, uh, Edgar was studying outer space, but his experience was one of what we might call inner space. And so being the explorer that he was, when he got back to the Earth, he was interested in what was this mystical experience mm-hmm. that he had, very unexpected. Being a, a scientist, he was interested in using the tools of science to study inner experience. So our mission for a long time was uh, something like uh, exploring the frontiers of consciousness or of inner space. And so that's that's what we do. Uh, my interest in it is because I've, I've always been interested in aspects of the mind and, uh, and earlier in my career and the interaction between humans and, and technology. So it's a natural for me to use the tools of technology and science to study inner space, and that's what I do. Can you, uh, first of all, I, I'd like to congratulate you on your, on your new book. Um, you know, you've got a number of books that, that you've published over the years. Uh, let me see, you've got uh, Entangled Minds, uh, you've got Supernormal, Real Magic, just, just to name three. Uh, you've got over 250 scientific and popular articles that you have either authored or co-authored. Over your years of, of doing your research, both as a scientist and as a member of the Institute of Noetic Sciences, have you ever just been amazed at how far humanity has come? And it must just mesmerize you to to imagine what lies ahead on this journey we call life. Well, as far as how far humanity has come, it uh, in in one respect, from a from a geological time perspective, we're here in a flash. I mean, it's almost no time at all from 
appearing as microbes to appearing as somewhat intelligent creatures. So that is always astonishing. On the other hand, uh, science as we know it today started roughly three or 400 years ago. And I find it somewhat annoying that uh, we find scientists today who think that everything is just about wrapped up. Like we we really understand everything and uh, we won't be too surprised by anything we find out in space because we understand the fundamentals of physics. And I think that's a completely ridiculous position to take because science is new. Uh, Our species are relatively new. We now have reason to believe that, not only reason to believe, but we know that for certain advanced technologies that no one individual knows how it even works anymore. In the case of something like a jet aircraft or even a modern electric vehicle, no one person knows how the whole thing works because it's simply too complicated. So how do we get from uh, already having technologies that are beyond the capacity of one person to know mm-hmm. to what amounts to an arrogance and thinking that we actually understand what's going on when we don't even know at this point what things like gravity actually is or for that matter what an electron is so we have we have far to go and i'm my my joy in being a scientist is that it really is a matter of exploration and i think that's what what humans are good at our curiosity drives us to try to understand things and i don't see any reason why that's going to stop i agree with you there's still so much to learn still so much Psychic phenomena and magic are often associated with science. How did you become interested in these topics? Well, when a scientist uses the word magic, it's usually used as an epithet. In other words, uh, if you don't like somebody else's theory, you say, well, that's just magical thinking. And the term magic in that case means that you're suggesting that something just happened with no cause. In science, you're always looking for an explanation. So we use the term magic to deny that somebody's thinking correctly. But of course, there's there are other reasons for thinking about magic. And if you go back far enough in history, mm-hmm. everything we knew had no known cause. I mean, we, we might attribute something to a supernatural cause or to a divine cause, but that was only an expression of our ignorance. So... My interest in esoteric magic, this is the traditional ceremonial magic and ideas and concepts of magic that go way, way back. It came about because of the realization that uh, there are many things that we don't really understand how they work today. Uh, we're, We're getting better at understanding things, but the amount that's left to learn is practically infinite for all practical purposes. And one area that is a, a chronic puzzle for science is the nature of consciousness itself. Is it something that's generated by the brain Mm -hmm. or is it some kind of background fundamental phenomenon? Well, since we don't really know what the answer is, when you look at magic in relationship to consciousness, you begin to realize that virtually all of the various forms of traditional magic had to do with the nature of consciousness. What is its role in the physical world? If it's if consciousness is, and what by that I generally mean something like awareness, self-awareness, if that is simply a, a an aspect of brain function, then all of these esoteric ideas are basically nonsense. They're, that you you can't have something like your mind moving matter 
or affecting the physical world because it's the the awareness that you have in your head is purely associated with your brain. If that is not correct, then the traditional notions of magic, including both divination, which is perception through time and space, and the force of will or the force of your intention to push reality around, now those become a little bit more interesting. So we've done experiments uh, at the Institute of Noetic Sciences for many years on various kinds of psychic phenomena. So they fit into the notion of magic because precognition and clairvoyance are about perceiving beyond the the bounds of space and time. Well, that's exactly what you call divination in, in the terms of magic. And by the same token, we've done studies in psychokinesis, which is a mind-matter interaction effect, and that is exactly what a magician would call the force of will. So we've done experiments using scientific methods in the laboratory, and you find that there is good evidence both for what a magician would call divination and force of will. That opens the door to an empirical test, a laboratory test of ideas from original esoteric magic. Uh, this, by the way, the, the book Real Magic won't come out until 2018. The, the wheels of, of production and big publishing houses move slowly. But that's that's what I'm just finishing up the manuscript now. And that's why it's on the, the top of my head, because I've been thinking about it a lot. Understandably so, sir. How does your... Um... Your, your current book about magic, how does it fit into the topics of your other books? Well, so go back to my first book. It was okay. called The Conscious Universe. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a way of pulling together all of the laboratory data on, on studies of psychic phenomena using a tool called meta-analysis. And this is very popular in many different disciplines today, um, like medicine and the social sciences as a way of pulling together lots of different experiments on a a given topic to judge whether or not the effect is real. And because the the currency of truth in science is whether you can get independent replication of of a given effect. So there have been lots of people over long periods of time looking at things like telepathy and clairvoyance. So that book was pulling together the evidence, presenting it using these techniques of meta-analysis, to assess whether or not we had any reason to believe that simple forms of psychic phenomena are real. The conclusion of the conscious universe is yes, there's very good scientifically valid reasons to believe that some psychic phenomena are true. The next book was Entangled Minds, which was to answer the question, if it's real, then doesn't it violate what we know about physics? And the answer is no, it doesn't violate anything we know about physics, and that's what that whole book was about, showing why physics is compatible with psychic phenomena. The third book is Supernormal. Uh, Supernormal came out a couple of years ago, and it was to look at the question that again turns up, which is, well, is there a way to practice to become better at these kinds of phenomena? The answer is yes. And the way I approached that question was by looking at the traditional means of practice in yoga, which includes both uh, body techniques and meditation. And the real core of it is meditation. If you want to improve psychic abilities, you learn how to meditate. What's more important is that within the classical yoga tradition, 
uh, known as the Yoga Sutras, which written by an Indian sage named Patanjali. That if you look at that, at what he wrote carefully, you find that one of his books was specifically on development of psychic abilities, and so that's that's why I used yoga as a way of talking about the practice of psychic phenomena. And so the book that's going to come out on magic is taking it yet another step and looking at this from a historical context, not only yoga, but much broader context. And that context is the esoteric history, esoteric arts, in which magic plays a very important role. So that, that was the sequence. How close do you think we are getting to actually better understanding what so many people call psychic phenomena and proving that that it is not a phenomenon at all, but but it is a very, very basic part of our existence. Always has been and always will be. That's a difficult question to answer because it might be as close as a couple of years, mm-hmm. or it might be as far as a couple of centuries. And a lot of it, I, I'm if I had to guess, I would guess it's going to be within decades. Uh, but then I have to think back almost 100 years ago when William James began to study mediumship and psychic phenomena. And, of course, he was a famous psychologist. Yes. And he wrote after, at near the end of his career, uh, that thinking back on what he thought would be easy to, to prove and to understand, and he said he remained completely baffled. Mm-hmm. And you see this, the same idea echoed again and again over the past century and a half where people, uh, first of all, would start testing to see if the psychic effects were real, and then they were convinced that they were, and they thought, well, this will be easy. We'll understand this pretty simply. And and no one has. And the, the reason is because we don't understand what consciousness is. All right, please stand by, Dean. You and I have to take our break for the news. Exonation. Nation, Dr. Dean Radin is our special guest. Um, let me see here. Dean Radin. Dot com is the website. We'll be back on the other side of this break. Fascinating man, fascinating topic. Don't go away. Dreams are our personal gateways into infinite wisdom. Don't miss Shamanic Counselor and Indigenously Trained Dream Decoder, Sandra Corcoran's inspiring book, Shamanic Awakening Between the Dark and the Daylight. This remarkable work chronicles Sandra's 35 years of experience with diverse wisdom keepers and her initiations throughout the Americas and across the British Isles, Turkey, Greece, and Egypt. Sandy's knowledge of symbology, psychology, and myth influence her dream blog and workshops. Sandy offers private tarot readings, international journeys, a meditative CD, as well as her book, Shamanic Awakening, to encourage you as you navigate this earthwalk, creating a deeper connection to yourself and all that is. Find this and more at Sandy's website, StarwalkerVisions.com. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. 
For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. How would you like to be able to read other people's minds? Well, the next best thing is here. When you know how to read a person's name, you know how the person thinks, feels, and behaves. Each letter in our name holds a key to unlock our true essence. Our name contains both our gifts and challenges in this lifetime. Nemology Science discovers personality secrets hidden in the placement of the letters of our names, including the first and last impression people remember about us. Sharon shows us how to interpret the arrangement of letters as outlined in her book, Know the Name, Know the Person. Sharon Lynn Wyeth created Nemology Science after 18 years of research and testing her theories and has supported thousands of people around the world in understanding themselves and others better. You'll enjoy Sharon's unique teachings as she shares her system to learn the gifts behind your given birth name. Even if you don't like your birth name, there are jewels in this book. If you're thinking of changing your name, ready to name your child, or wanting to get along better with others, this is the book for you. If you'd like to improve your relationships and change your life for the better, get the book today. Know the name, know the person. Or visit www.knowthename.com. That's www.knowthename.com. Hello, I'm Justina Marsh, and with my dad, Pete, we are going to present a new show called Too Good to Be True. Together, we are aiming to discover more truths about this world and beyond. Do you have unanswered questions about the world? Do you ever wonder about aliens, conspiracy theories, or the universe? There are many shows discussing subjects such as pyramids or UFOs, but we want to relay this information based on our own research, including from spiritual means. Hopefully, listeners will be helped with their own beliefs and will appreciate the psychic insights that add to the previous research and information. We both look forward to sharing this insight and beginning this journey with our listeners. Visit xzbn.net for more information about when to listen. Donation, uh, Dr. Dean Radin is our special guest, www.deanradin.com. Also, www.noetic.org and supernormalbook.com. Um, we were talking about uh, magic and, and consciousness, and the consciousness that we understand today, how far off do you believe, uh, Doctor, if you can just take a wild guess is how far are we from understanding the total scope of consciousness is it well the total scope uh, we may be in in an in infinity away right uh to 
understand it a whole lot better than we currently do, I think there's a trend. I talk about this in my, my new book on magic. Mm-hmm. The, the, the trend is, and this is the leading edge in many scientific disciplines, that are beginning to realize that uh, the, the best way of thinking about what reality is composed of is not matter, not energy, and it's not the geometrical uh, ideas that Einstein had, but it may be more like an informational construct. And this is why there are some scientists who believe that we're living in something like the matrix, yes. like a computer simulation mm-hmm. or some kind of a strange hologram, things like that. Those are all based on the notion that information may be more fundamental than the physical world. If that is true, then suddenly consciousness as a fundamental aspect of reality starts to look a lot more interesting. Because consciousness, we can also start to conceive of as an informational structure of a sort. That uh, This, of course, a philosopher would call idealism. It's a, a way of thinking about how... How does reality stick together? And a a philosopher would then say that the only thing that you're actually ever aware of is because of your consciousness. That means all of our science, all of our mathematics, everything we know is due to this one property that we call awareness. If we didn't have conscious awareness, we wouldn't, by definition, we wouldn't be aware of anything. So if if it turns out that Ultimately, the physical world arises out of information and consciousness is related to that in some way. Then in one stroke, all of these ideas about psychic phenomena, about mystical experience, about magic, they all become very easy to understand. And what's important about it as well is that when if, if you imagine that you have some kind of primordial awareness out there and from that emerges what we see as the physical world, then everything that science has learned to date remains exactly the way it currently is. We don't throw anything away. And that's important because science has had, I mean, we know that a lot of what we've learned in science is correct because otherwise we wouldn't have the technologies that we use every day. They're reliable. So we can't throw the textbooks away, and yet we also need to accommodate in some way these strange phenomena, these experiences that people talk about in this long history of, of magic. So the the way to do that is, as I said, that you imagine that uh, physics is not the bottom. It's not what everything thinks. What, it's not the fundamental that we're resting upon. It's actually something below that, which we'll call consciousness for want of a better term. That would that would solve all kinds of problems. I, I, I can understand that. But looking at the entire aspect of consciousness uh, and then are we a computer simulation is this a glorified holodeck that our existence is in is it possible that science based on the knowledge that we have today is right but in the future other discoveries may prove today's science wrong there are so many there are so many variables that we have to look at how does how are we supposed to how are we supposed to process all this data to get to the the truth? Well, there's two aspects to science. You have the empirical side, mm-hmm. which are observations, measurements, facts yeah. that, that you can replicate. And then there's the theoretical explanations. So 
they're, they go hand in hand in that the theory, the theory helps you figure out what you can measure and how you want to measure it. Uh, the, the measurements are useful because they help guide new theories. So I think the fact-like nature of what we've learned will remain more or less the same. It's possible, of course, that we're living in some weird place in space, and if we, in 50,000 years, we'll be in a different portion of the galaxy, and maybe all of our physical laws will be different. Uh, that That's always a possibility. I don't think it's very likely, but you can't tell. Sure. But from a fact-like perspective, uh, we, we can somewhat rely on them because otherwise th- things we take for granted simply wouldn't work. But what will change, absolutely will change, are our interpretations of those facts. And we know this very simply by just looking at the textbooks every 20 years. They're different textbooks. Some of it is because new facts have been found, but a lot of it is because new explanations have been found. So, and when we start getting a better idea of what consciousness is, it will probably change explanations mm-hmm. of things in, in a major way. Uh, although the from an inside each discipline, it may not change too much. So what I mean is that if, if you look at, at science as a collection of different ways of looking at the world at different scales, there may be three or 4,000 different disciplines. That's why you have all these different departments and universities. Well, working within a discipline, you know a, a whole lot about a very, very thin slice of reality. And because there's so much to learn within each discipline, nobody knows everything anymore. It's not even possible. Right. So you, you kind of step back from all of that and you start looking at, well, the disciplines look like they've chopped up reality into these little pieces. But obviously that's not the case. We live in a, a universe, a holistic environment where we've chopped it up in order to be able to begin to understand it. But if we then add a new layer to the bottom of what we know, which we'll call consciousness, Mm -hmm. that's not going to change what people study within each discipline. It'll do more like like create a a larger container for how we think about how all of it fits together. And that new container will allow for phenomena to exist comfortably that presently is not the case. And so those new phenomena are things like psychic phenomena. But what about the other aspects of of consciousness and the associated or the the phenomena that fit into it. For example, life after death, communication with those on the other side, um, and all the other questions that are being brought up these days by more and more people who have access to the Internet and they're learning more and asking more questions. Is science able to keep up with the number of questions that are being asked these days? Well, science is pretty good. At that, uh, science is much, much better at addressing what might be thought of as external, the external world. Mm -hmm. That's what science is good at. It's much less capable of understanding what's going on in the subjective realm. That doesn't mean that we can't study it because there are plenty of methods, mainly within psychology and psychophysiology and the neurosciences, that begin to study aspects or actually correlations external correlations of the internal world. And for things uh, even more esoteric like uh, mediumship, there are plenty of methods that can be used to verify that mediums are getting accurate information. But so far, we still have a problem in that we don't know how to get inside of a subjective state of somebody else. 
we do it with ourselves all the time. Yes. The, the thing that I call me is my subjective self. But so far, other than uh, than experiments on telepathy, which demonstrate that it's a real phenomenon, we can't get inside of somebody else's head. Now, maybe some extremely good psychics can get a, a feeling about that, but it's not yet within the domain of science. So we, we still have a, a large way to go in that respect. But isn't it fair to say that for a person to claim to be a psychic, that they have the ability to traverse time and space, forward and backwards? That is what the claim is, sure. So how, and, do, and, so how do we validate these claims? Well, that's what the experiments are all about. So let's say you wanted somebody claim that they were able to get telepathic impressions from somebody else. Right. So... You take you take that person. You take somebody else who will be uh, the uh, the other partner in the experiment. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll call one a sender and one a receiver. The receiver might be the psychic. Uh, the sender might be somebody that the psychic is trying to get information from. Uh, you in in an experiment that's been done thousands of times now. Uh, it's called the Gonsfeld experiment. The Gonsfeld is a technique that was developed by uh, psychologists in the 1930s as a way of very quickly getting you into a hypnagogic state. This is the state uh, where you start getting vivid imagery just before you fall asleep. And we don't want someone to fall asleep, so instead you have them sit up, mm-hmm. uh, put uh, half of a ping pong ball over each eye, ask the person to keep their eyes open, put a red light shining on their face, And since their eyes are open, everywhere they look, they see just redness. At the same time, they wear headphones playing white noise. So they can't see anything, they can't hear anything, but they're wide awake. Well, after a few minutes, they begin to hallucinate. They Mm -hmm. go into a hypnagogic state because the brain wants something to happen, and there's nothing happening. So... This is exactly the condition that you want somebody to be in as a very sensitive receiver of subtle impressions that may be telepathic. So you put your receiver in that condition, and then you have a distant person for 20 minutes look at a randomly selected photograph and try to mentally send the content of that photograph to the person in the Gonsfeld state. It's very important that the picture that is used as the target to send is selected at random and that neither person knew in advance what that target was because otherwise there are normal biases that can be used to try to figure it out. So after 20 minutes of the sender trying to send the imagery, you take the person in the Gonsfeld state out of the state, bring them back to their normal condition. You show them four pictures, one of which uh, was the real one that the sender was sending, and then three decoys. So you have four pictures all different from each other And the goal of the receiver is to select the one that matched their subjective impressions the best. And so if there was telepathy happening between the two people, then the picture that the sender was actually trying to send would be selected by the receiver. And and so that's the experiment. It takes about an hour and a half to do. It takes uh, two participants and typically one or two researchers in order to carry it out. So there's a fair amount of effort to get one data point, which is... They selected the right, the right picture, or they didn't. So you have a hit or a miss. So that experiment, if you if you think about it, with four mm-hmm. possible targets, you should be able to get the right target uh, by chance 
25% of the time. Right. One in four times you'll get it. So that experiment, as I said, has been done thousands of times, roughly 4,000 times. All right, stand by, Bye. please, Dr. Raiden. I know we have to finish this off. Uh, we'll do that as soon as we come back from this final break here in the Exxon from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Exxon Nation, uh, Dr. Dean Raiden is our guest, www.deanraiden.com, noetic.org, and supernormalbook.com. Hi everyone, Rob McConnell here, and I wanted to spend a moment on internet streaming. Everybody has heard about internet streaming, but not many know much about it. Did you know the internet streams just about everything? Movies. From new releases to old classics. TV shows. Almost every show, every episode, and much more. But the question has always been, how do you do it? Well now, thanks to the folks at 123 Ready TV, I have the answer for you. They have developed a simple program app, 123 Ready TV, that you install on your Windows PC, Android smartphone, or Android tablet that can have you streaming like a pro in less than five minutes. You truly won't believe how much is available or how easy it is to do until you try. And for a one-time cost of only $19.99, this product is a real winner. To learn more about 123 Ready TV, visit our website at www.xzbn.net. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the X-Zone Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the X-Zone Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere. 24-7-365. True healing must address four levels, physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual, for us to live joyful and productive lives. We tend to treat three of the four, leaving the spiritual languishing. If you're tired of the same dysfunctional patterns cropping up in your life, soul balancing is for you. Trixie Phelps, owner and founder of Soul Balancing, is a naturally gifted energy healer trained in numerous esoteric forms, including shamanism. Trixie has created a powerful modality that safely and effectively clears your energetic field. A soul balancing session can remove interference, heal trauma, and restore your hope. 
Contact Trixie for a life-changing long-distance session today, www.soulbalancing.world. There's a legend shared by many indigenous cultures of a time when the nations were cast to the four corners of the world. Each nation was given a body of sacred knowledge that held a different portion of the truth to preserve. True reality could not be known until all the nations reunited, combining the information. If a single one was missing, the world could not be reborn and darkness would prevail. The Science of Magic Radio is dedicated to reuniting the sacred knowledge. With the understanding, none of us has all the answers, but together we can open new perceptions and possibilities. Through our combined vision, the world can be reborn into a place where darkness no longer prevails. Join me, Gwilda Wiecka, and the Science of Magic daily on the Exxon Broadcast Network, xzbn.net, or visit us at thescienceofmagic.net. Explanation, Dr. Dean Radin is our special guest. Uh, first of all, uh, Dean, thank you ever so much for joining us tonight. It's been a great pleasure speaking with you, and I wish you continued success as an author, as a scientist, and, of course, with the Institute of Noetic Sciences, a great organization. Thank you. Um, we were talking about the Gansfield effect, and um, if we can just right. finish that off so we can get to the percentages. Okay. So... You do the experiment once, and if you're lucky, you'll get a hit. Otherwise, you'll get a miss. Uh, based on one experiment, you, you learn nothing other than, well, maybe it's real, maybe it's not real. Uh, so you do it again, and you do it again, and you keep doing it, and you have other independent laboratories do it. So this experiment has been done uh, repeatedly since the 1970s. Approximately 20 different laboratories around the world have done it. Uh, when you gather all together the, the data from all of these different studies using the same design, you end up not with a 25% chance hit rate, but roughly 32%. And this is with people not claiming to be telepathic. Typically, most of the participants are college sophomores who are doing it to gain credit for their psychology class. If you uh, separate out from the data mm -hmm. people who do claim to have telepathic ability or are close family members or lovers or people who are otherwise feel connected, then uh, you get a much higher hit rate. So the overall hit rate is 32%. The hit rate for people who are emotionally bonded tends to be more like 50%. And when you then uh, figure out the odds against chance, if chance is 25%, uh, the odds would be one to one or two to one. If you're getting 32%, which is what you see overall, the odds against chance are about a quadrillion to one. That's a, a thousand trillion to one. So it's not a chance outcome. Uh, if you just look at the uh, the subsets of 
people who are emotionally bonded, again, you, ha you have odds against chance of a gazillion to one. So this is a very simple experiment to do. It takes somewhat some effort to do it, but it's simple. It's to intentionally a simple design, intentionally uh, a easy to analyze statistically. And it's been reported and discussed in the academic literature for years now. So this is uh, a good evidence that there is a form of conscious telepathy that can pass between people. If that is true, then you can take another step and you say, well, since we know that there's a, a close relationship between what's going on in your head and the brain activity, there's a correlation there, then what happens if you separate two people you you measure their EEGs, mm -hmm. and to one of them you do a stimulation like a light flash or an audio tone, right. and then you look at the other person's brain. So you want to see if if you if you poke one person, does the other person flinch? In essence, so that experiment has been done a couple of dozen times, and that too shows an effect. Uh, in this case, purely a neuroscience effect that brains are related to each other, are correlated at a distance. Uh, with no ordinary way that the people could communicate with each other. So that's a secondary confirmation of what people describe as a telepathic connection. I'd just like to, uh, to ask you this. You know, skeptics, skeptics tell us that PSI magic and, and so on insist that the reports of these experiments are solely due to illusion or delusion. Now, why do they keep saying this in the face of large experimental literature to the contrary? The primary reason is that scientists, and everyone really, but scientists are very strongly uh, desire an explanation for a fact. Mm -hmm. And since we don't have good explanations yet, and I'm talking here about uh, either about physical theories or other kinds of theories which would explain why there are these connections, then it is simply easier for somebody who's skeptical to say, well, I'm not going to believe it until somebody tells me how it works. And that's actually science backwards. That if you go far enough back into our past, mm -hmm. we didn't have explanations for anything. And so science starts out by simply looking at curious observations. And then you start checking them in the laboratory and you get better and better methods until you get an empirical database where you have very high confidence, as we currently do, that some of these psychic effects are actually real. The, the fact that we don't know how to explain it yet shouldn't be too surprising to anybody, because as we said before, it has something to do with the nature of consciousness, which we don't understand very well either. Nobody denies consciousness because we all experience it. Many people, in fact, the majority of the population, don't deny psychic phenomena because they experience it too. But Scientists like to have an explanation for something, and that's why the skepticism remains, because we still don't have a very good explanation. I was wondering if you could tell me what happened uh, to psychologist uh, Paul Ekman uh, during a meeting with the Dalai Lama. Paul Ekman is a, a famous psychologist who, among other things, came up with this idea of micro-movements in the face as a way of face-reading. Hmm. There was a, a TV show based on this where psychologists could tell if somebody was lying by looking at these micro-movements in the face, right. micro-muscular movements. So Paul Ekman describes a meeting with the Dalai Lama, and the Dalai Lama for many years have had uh, symposia with scientists discussing various topics. Um, Paul admits that he had always felt 
a kind of an anger, an anxious anger all the time, except when he met the Dalai Lama, he felt something was missing. It took him a while to figure out that he didn't feel angry anymore. And he was so surprised at this, at this lack of feeling of anger, that he started looking into it. And it turns out that one of the uh, special powers that one gains through meditation, not everybody, but some people do, is uh, somewhat translated as radiating goodness. And the Dalai Lama is known for having this ability. that in, your, in his presence, you just feel good. You feel his radiating his goodness. So this turns out to be something that is des- described thousands of years ago in, in the literature of yoga that is one of the special powers that can occur as a result of long-term meditation. So... Paul Ekman started looking into this, asked the Dalai Lama if there was another monk that he could recommend who had the same ability, and there was. And then uh, in informal experiments with groups of people, uh, he had this monk present or not present and asked people, did they feel any different? And people had the same experience as Paul, that they felt that they suddenly felt a lot better. Hmm. They felt happier and calmer when this person was present than when they were not present. So to do this as an experiment, you can't have people actually see the monk because maybe the monk is smiling and that's why people feel better. <laughs> but you could put them behind a screen or in the maybe a room next door without their even knowing that there's somebody there and then uh, getting measures of their mood and their physiology to see if indeed simply the presence nearby of somebody can actually make people feel better. So there's a whole line of experiments in parapsychology which has done something like that. And so we know that one person's intention has an effect on another person's physiology, even without knowing exactly what it is that they're doing, and in some cases without even knowing that they're there. Fascinating. Truly fascinating. Have you had any personal experiences during your research, the research that you've done? Well, I think I've probably had about the same number of precognitive dreams and synchronicities as most people have. Mm-hmm. But the the way I answer this question about the, the most amazing psychic experience I've ever had is my career. That You see, there is no career track for what I do. There's no place you go to get an educational background in True. it. There, there's, there are no jobs in this domain. But somehow, for about 30 years now, I've worked full-time as a paid scientist Mm -hmm. to look into these phenomena. So that's basically a minor miracle. And I guess I I, I don't know exactly why that happened other than a combination of hard hard work and luck. Uh, But it is really, in retrospect, it's amazing because the number of people, the number of PhD level scientists doing this kind of work around the world full time is perhaps about 10. And it's so 10 is so small that anybody who wants to work full time in this domain, it's not that easy. You need a a miracle to occur in order for it to happen. So that's my most amazing psychic experience. And a great experience it is. I was wondering if you could let our listeners know where they can get copies of your books and how they can find out more about you, uh, Doctor. Well, for Supernormal, which is which came out in 2013, mm-hmm. uh, supernormalbook.com, you can read the first chapter and the preface, and then you can get it on Amazon or any online uh, bookstore, or in some actual bookstores, you can see the book itself. Uh, 
for more information about the Institute of Noetic Sciences, noetic.org. And we have a conference in Oakland in, um, in July where we every two years we have a conference, and that's a good place to see the speakers and learn more about what it is that we do. You can learn about that on our website. Dr. Aiden, again, I want to thank you so much for making time to join us today, sir. It's been a great pleasure, and I do hope that we have the opportunity of talking to you again. And until we do, continued success, and I look forward to reading your many books in the future, sir. Thanks very much. Have a nice day, sir. ExoNation, our guest this hour has been Dr. Dean Radin, www.deanradin.com. And uh, we'll be back on the other side of this commercial break as we continue here in the Exxon from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Once again, if you'd like to find out more about Dr. Dean Radin, www.deanradin.com, noetic.org, and supernormalbook.com. Music. 